Hey everybody, you're listening to Beyond 1894. This is the official podcast of Louisiana Tech University. This is a special episode of Beyond 1894. We have three guests on the podcast today. Three guys from our three most recent cohorts of the Reginald F. Lewis Scholars. Uh, We're going to introduce them in a second. Just as a quick note, we have sort of a co-host here on this episode of the podcast. Uh, Cami Geisman has joined us. She's our new Executive VP of External Affairs. Um, So she's going to ask some questions here too. Guys, let's go one at a time. Introduce yourselves for our listeners. Take it away. How y'all doing? My name is DeVos Armstrong. I'm a controls engineer. Hello, everyone. My name is Joseph Johnson, cohort two, electrical engineer. Hello, my name is Jaden Johnson, cohort three, graphic design. Okay, so Devosnik, Joseph, and Jaden, again, thanks for being here. You guys are all Reginald F. Lewis scholars. Uh, which one of you guys wants to tell us about kind of what that means? I'll go. Um, Reginald F. Lewis was the first person to build a billion-dollar company, first African-American to build a billion-dollar company. And uh, we, well, they named this scholarship program after that because we want to emanate what he has built over his lifetime. So they, we want to try to emanate him. Most definitely. I feel like that the scholarship, Reginald F. Lewis himself, gave us the opportunities to use his name, but also gave us the opportunities to build the black men as ourselves, as the six of us at Tech, or the three of us that's representing the six, but also the other 54, mm-hmm. 54 of us, 56 of us. Yeah, because it's system-wide, right? Yeah, it's system-wide, a, yeah. yeah. The other 54 of us in other universities, giving us the opportunities, giving us the, uh, I'll say, the, uh, the mindset, the drive, pouring into us spiritually, emotionally, mentally, to be able to keep that drive going. You know, as y'all know, we have, as African-American males, we have the lowest retention rate in the college, you know, and numbers could be higher, numbers should be higher, and this is what we're trying to do, rewrite that narrative of us, rewriting that narrative to continue to work, continue to be that, I guess, that ideal man, be that ideal person, you know, continue to work upon ourselves, and that's what everybody's here for, to pour back into our community, pour back into us solely and purely to be able to pay back for it. So once we get to that point in life, you know, as he did for us, as he did for other African-American men, not just the men and also women, mm-hmm. but uh, give it us back so we can be able to pay back to the people that's behind us, you know, the freshmen, the sophomores, the juniors, high school, college, elementary, community centers, community in general, you know, but most definitely. Yeah. Talk about it a little bit too, Jaden. Um, I think it's just a wonderful opportunity. I mean, I was, um, this scholarship is for rising sophomores, you know, so at the end of your uh, freshman year is when you are selected. Um I was just, you know, I was a freshman. I was looking around for scholarships, and I just uh, stumbled upon the right people. Um, it's, I feel like it was all about making connections, and I made those connections, and I, that's how I got to where I am today. And I'm definitely glad that um, I got this scholarship, glad to meet the, these men in the room, mm-hmm. meet all the other men uh, in the scholarship program. It's just a wonderful opportunity for you to grow and develop your leadership skills, your communication skills, and um, I think it'll it's something that's going to you know help you lifelong. The Reginald F. Lewis Scholars Program is designed to where you're also meeting people from other institutions, right? And so the, the University of Louisiana system, which Louisiana Tech is a part of, created this program so that you could raise each other up. So talk about how that cohort model, meeting guys from other institutions, you know, and, and you know, what that's done to build your confidence. And 
I'll say this. Uh, I'm in cohort one, so that we always have a saying, the first to do it. Uh, Does that, do you have do you have some a big head about that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, the first to do it. The first to do it. Um, being in cohort one uh, has been really different, differently challenging at times. It Being a person coming from high school, I worked, study, work, study, work, study, really didn't matter about the social life. Where are you from? Shreveport, Louisiana. Okay. So in the kind of, I feel like, you know, the South doesn't claim us, but being one of the biggest city up north, we got a lot of different personalities, you know, that you meet from Texas, from Arkansas, from New Orleans, down south, Lafayette, and so, you know, so other. Meeting these guys from down south, I haven't been down south until I got to this, you know, scholarship. I've never been to New Orleans like that. I've never been to Lafayette, Baton Rouge, Lake Charles, none of that. So being in a scholarship, I met all these different guys, everyone having a different cultural background, a different background in general, a different lifestyle, a different spirit about them. Everything is completely different. And when that comes, and then having that, that comes with big personalities. No personality is small. Everything is big. So finding a way to almost find your niche in that group, find the way that you can feel comfortable, which you're always going to find that way. So you having guys like uh, one of our guys from Nickel State, Lance, Love Lance, big personality. He's from New Orleans, big personalities. You got a kid, you got other guys like Ebenezer Agri, love him too. Wonderful personality, leadership mentality. And other guys that I'm not naming now, but love those guys as well. They find ways to be able to come close to you, and then be able to build you. It might be building you that you can't take a joke. <laughs> you can need to learn to take a joke. <laughs> you know, nothing personal. Or, hey, man, I like the way that you're doing this. You know, supporting you, seeing you on the things that you accolades that you're doing on, I guess, social media and school. Because we got things that we can able to show one another throughout different universities. Hey, I'm doing this and doing this. These clubs and organizations. And I feel like the support that you get from them also mixed with a, pers- a point of perspective from their personality always begins to support and push and grow and build to a point where you're just like, well, you know, I can do be doing a little bit more in this or, you know, I can talk a little bit more. You know, I want to shout out my boy Cameron Green. He's a my scholar brother in cohort one for tech. He is a wonderful guy. He I was just telling him a little bit earlier that he threw me out in the water for my first time being on the news for uh, MLK Day. Uh, we was doing, they asked us if we wanted to be on the news. And I, the other 18 of cohort one was like, no, I'm all right. That's okay. Cam turns to me. And before I got to say a word out to see if he wanted to do, he was, you, Devazin, you got it. You got it. Don't worry about it. You got it, Nick. You got it, Nick. And before I even turned around, I'm getting mic'd up. And the whole time while he did throw me under that bus, he was supporting me and watching me from a distance, like kind of rooting me on, cheering. So, and you're better for it too, better right? For yeah. it. <laughs> so how you feel about it though? Uh, it's great. Uh, it's, uh, it builds a brotherhood. We all get to talk to each other. We all get to mingle, and we all also get to have a friendly competition. Like we all, we all try to strive for greatness. We all try to do the best for our community while we're getting this scholarship. It's a blessing to have it, and I feel like having this, we have to give back as well. So we do that with whatever we can. I know that. Uh, Core two UL scholars, they do a great amount, and we try we try to all uplift each other and ask each other and try to build each other up with different community service things that we community service uh, ideas that we could also do. Um, it's it's a great it's a great opportunity. It's a great learning experience, and it's great to learn from other black males. Um, I'd say right from the moment that I. Uh, got to that hotel in New Orleans in June. Uh, it was just, I instantly felt the 
connections, the brotherhood that uh, was, you know, just kind of bubbling in the room. Uh, it was just a great experience. Uh, I know I'm still pretty new to the scholarship, but uh, I can already tell that I'm, you know, this is going to make lifelong friends. Um, just the six of us here on campus, I feel I, I could come to them about anything. Uh, having trouble with uh, classes, having trouble with life in general, I feel like I talk to them about anything. So, um, yeah, it's definitely just grateful to have that kind of connection with um, other people that look like me on uh, on campus and off campus. All trying to build each other up. Yeah, it sounds, I just, just hearing each of you guys talk about it, I mean, like, obviously there's a sense of loyalty to each other within the cohorts of the program, but, like, you speak on cohort one and two and three, and you guys also sound like there's a special connection within those cohorts, too. Mm-hmm. So, Tech, ever be loyal. Yeah. <laughs> ever be loyal. <laughs> well, let's, <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about Louisiana Tech, because Louisiana Tech is a PWI, primarily mm-hmm. white institution. Yeah. Was Tech the first choice for all three of you guys always? After I graduated high school, I had a conversation with my mom and dad, and they asked me what I want to do. So in high school, I used to do stuff like with engineering and stuff. I used to love taking apart phones, consoles, anything to put back together, customize, and then if my friends want to buy it, they can buy it from me. Or veterinarian, I want to be a marine biologist. And I told my dad, I said, Dad, it does not matter what school I go to, wherever you find is wonderful with me. And he found tech. I never toured tech. I never seen tech. I never heard about tech. But tech was my school that was in my vicinity. And when I got here, it was wonderful. I liked it. Are you a first-generation college student? Second-generation. Second-generation, okay. So from my experience, personally, I'm a first-generation college student. Okay. So I didn't know much about college. I didn't know much about applying for college. I just knew that my high school was telling me, you should go apply for colleges. You should see what you like to do. Um, so take wasn't take wasn't like in my head at the first thought, but um, I just started looking at majors that I would think are interesting, and uh, I've looked into all of them. I looked at enge- electrical engineering. I thought it was amazing. I applied. I was thankfully accepted because uh, it's been a great experience here and uh i've loved it ever since it's been a great experience well i was born in new orleans uh but i moved to text to dallas fort worth area in texas after katrina and i say coming to co- uh thinking about colleges i kind of wanted to go back to louisiana um louisiana tech was actually not always on my radar mm-hmm. um one of the schools I wanted to go to was Texas State, uh, and I also wanted to go to LSU. But um, it was my senior year. Um, one of the recruiters for the DFW area, um, I want to say her name was uh, Catherine, she came to my school, and she just made this really big impression on me, um, telling me, uh, explaining the quarter system, explaining how, you know, m- most likely was going to get out-of-state scholarship, Um and I went to my high school's Uplift Summit. Um, Uplift Education is a partner school. So uh, it was just, it's, it was seeming like uh, the pieces kind of just fell into place. Uh, and so I ended up just kind of locked on Louisiana Tech. Um, and 
you know, of course, offered me the most money too. So that always helps. <laughs> that always helps. Kind of got to follow that money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that's how I ended up here, and yeah. Um, Speaking of following the money, we were talking about Reginald F. Lewis oh. earlier, and um, he's a Francophile, or he was a Francophile, and the reason why is because he made a lot of his money in Europe. And so one of the coolest things, I think, about this program is that um, you all get to travel abroad, and uh, that was really important when, when this program was being established, that we found a way to do that. And so Dvoznik has traveled abroad. He went to France in the spring of 2030. <laughs> <laughs> we got another one traveling this summer. So talk a little bit about your trip and then maybe we can talk a little bit about anticipating that experience. Oh, let me tell you about all the, all the details. <laughs> <laughs> so um, for me personally, that's my first time ever being out the country, like truly out the country. I mean, you mentioned before that you had barely been anywhere else in Louisiana. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so imagine me going out yeah. there. So, um, First of all, I was thankful to God. First of all, God gave God all of my praise, everything, because that was the opportunity. The scholarship was a blessing. The opportunity to have it was a blessing. Having those people, the uh, facilitators to the people that provide us the funds, to everybody in and out, thankful. Thank you. Thankful for y'all. Um, but the experience was life-changing. Definitely was. Went out there flying from, I think, Shreveport, from Rest in the Shreveport. Shreveport to Atlanta, then Atlanta all the way to Paris. That was crazy. That's a 13 hour flight. <laughs> Looking out at night, it's cold in the plane, but you cannot see nothing. Then all that you see is a light coming from Paris and Eiffel Tower. Beautiful sight. First time we see that, I'm praying. The things that we did, I mean, from sightseeing, going to the Eiffel Tower, and being able to eat inside the Eiffel Tower. Now I'm on watching TV with my parents. I ate in the Eiffel Tower. Y'all see that? With Eiffel Tower pops. <laughs> yes, you see that? I was in there. I was in there. So the crazy thing is that I have experience and I can tell my friends. I can tell my children once I have them. I can tell classmates. I can tell Joe about able to see the Mona Lisa. You only see that in the movies. I seen it in person. Being able to go to a uh, palace of Versailles, looking at the gardens, going through that, this, um, this historic building. So I think call it a castle, this historic castle and seeing like, they shot movies in here in Netflix. Like I was in that room in Netflix. Like it's, it's crazy. But the experience that I got, not only the places that I went, it was the people that I was with. Being with that 18, Marco Hart, we grew closer, tightened it. It was, I got you, you got me. We opened it up more on a personal note, emotional, because now you experience not something that was new for you, but also for them. Because a lot of them haven't went to Paris. A lot of them haven't even went to out the country like I have, you know. So that being our first time together, it was, it was something emotional, you know. We growing close, we were able to see different things for the first time, wishing that we can bring people with us. And I believe that that experience was just it was amazing funny fact fun something really funny the first time i get there i never been in a hotel we had to put the key card inside of it to turn everything on so for the first like two nights i was like you know air conditioning wasn't working so i'm opening the window and i'm like what kind of hotel room is this (laughs) i'm like ooh, the crisp clean air of paris i love it so Mm. you have the travel bug now you're gonna go back you're gonna go on another long flight you know what i don't even want to go to paris i want to go to uh, greece i want to go to greece see that beautiful blue water i want to go to many other countries, because we not only seeing the sites, because the sites are wonderful, the people that you meet are wonderful, but the culture that the people give you is one thing that you want. I just, it opened up my eyes more being able to understand that it's not just you, it's not just your state, it's not just your country, it's other people in this world, 7.8 billion people in this world that have 
7.8 billion different perspectives, emotions, feelings that you can see, that you can hear, that you hear them through the, the different languages, the dialects. It's so much that you can gain from that. So coming back to tech, I was able to open up more, you know, talk to people more, you know, don't let that culture barrier be something that misguides you or doesn't persuade you to go, you know, want to talk to them. It gives you more of an emphasis of, well, I want to know where you're from. Like, what is, what is it that's so cool that back home that you came here? And what do you want to give from back home that you brought here to put it back into tech or back into your community or back into your friend group? Because a lot of times we meet a lot of people from uh, like the um, exchange students and stuff, and they have a whole different lifestyle, a whole different thing they go through. So understanding them more is what I gained from Paris is want to be able to continue to open up, talk, talk, see what they're about. You know, it just gave me a different perspective on it. I'm cohort to Joseph Johnson. I haven't went to Paris yet, but just hearing Devonick speak about it just like that, it really does want me to go even harder to even learn about their culture, learn about their experiences, learn how they live day to day life. And it makes me want to look at look at different countries as well. But from from what we are doing as cohort two, we're researching Paris right now. Um, we're trying to learn about all their sp- uh, different culture shocks that we could encounter, uh, that we could encounter there. Um, and we're uh, building a presentation that we uh, that we'll give out uh, to Paris and. Uh, we're working on this. That um, we're working on that right now as we speak. Um, it's a whole like class that we have to do, and it it really prepares you to get on that flight and see the different things that you talked about inside that class and be prepared for them and hopefully be able to execute it right. Let me tell you this, Joe. Wait till you got to present. Uh, Cam was presenting, and my man was nervous, but he yeah. did so good. <laughs> well, wait till you present. Uh, I think we presented at, uh, what was it? Polf. Polf. Yeah. Oh, University in Paris. Yeah, you, we presented there. Yeah. That was wonderful. But wait till you go to the other college that we went to. The Sorbonne. Sorbonne. That was Look nice. out, man. <laughs> it was, yeah. And one day, one day, right, Jaden? One day. Well, <laughs> actually, uh, I forgot, I forgot. Actually, in the spring, in spring break of 2018, I was in eighth grade. Um, I took a 10-day trip to Europe. Um, we landed in London, went to Paris, then Rome, then Florence. Oh, wow. You got these guys beat. Yeah. Yeah. He's like Paris. Oh. <laughs> but, I mean, I've always wanted to go back. I mean... Um, I, that made me uh, really want to, you know, when I get older, I want to go travel. I want to go see all these things. Like one of one of the places I really want to go to is uh, Japan. Um, yeah, but I'm definitely excited for my boy Joe. Uh, okay. He's definitely like excited. <laughs> I know he's gonna have a good time. So a lot of what y'all do is giving back. Community service is a huge part of this program. Mm-hmm. And I know y'all have a, a special relationship with AT&T that y'all have been doing some digital literacy training. Um, y'all want to talk a little bit about that? Um, our digital literacy camp is based here in Ruston. We give information about technology and how you can use it, how it can be used against you, and how people could use it against you with different websites viruses different things like that we want to be we want you to be able to surf the internet safely without any 
type of problems that could come about. So, things such as bank fraud, viruses, scams. You got AI. AI is on the rise. So we have to prepare the youth for that as well as the older, elderly uh, people that may try to encounter that. I feel like the digital literacy program, thank you for the AT&T, <laughs> the digital literacy program that we that we are part of is uh, is definitely needed. I feel like a lot of times that we kind of bypass the digital part we think is safe. We got like a new phones coming out every day. I cannot get scammed because I have caller, caller ID, block, caller blocker ID or something like that. But it's so much, as much as technology grows, it's always a bigger fish that comes with it. It's always something bigger, another way, another route to get with the personal information. So one thing we're talking about AI. So I take class with artificial, we talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning. We were just talking about earlier this week that we have uh, generative, it's called um, generative uh, artificial intelligence. And this intelligence is used, can be like if I set a, if you use ChatGPT and or any other type of AI interface, you can set something called a negative bounds on it and then give you like a, a, a negative answer. So you might say two plus two equals four. You pr- may change that bound to negative one, which is a kind of little sentence you can do, you know, if you can get real technical in it. It might give you two plus two equals six, you know, something like that. But the thing is, a lot of times we use, they use AIs in phishing. You know, we could take the voice of you, take the voice of your parents and then have them call you. And now your mom is asking you for $5,000. And that's your mom. You can give her 5000 If yeah. you had 5000 you go give her 5000 whatever you have. And now you find yourself, now your social security is gone. 5000 is gone out your bank account. Everything that you worked hard for is gone. So we want to be able to educate the people, especially adults, teenagers, whoever, to be able to understand that when you're on this Internet stuff, it's, you know, it can be dangerous. So we also talked about, um, I forgot one of the scams, we were talking about cookies. Nobody knows what cookies are. <laughs> no, we just know we see them pop on the website, we accept it. Yeah, but accept all, right? Accept all. <laughs> we don't, don't reject it, just accept it. So I can go ahead and continue to, you know, keep pursuing what I'm looking for. So we said that being online shopping, which is one of the kind of the common frauds that we see, make sure that the web browser has a lock on it. It's called a lockdown browser. And that, well, not a lockdown browser, but it has a lock on it. I call it a lockdown browser just because you see that you're safe, you're secure. But if it's open, oh, something's going to get taken away from me. It might be the search history. It might be the point that the cookie that you just accept. And now 10 minutes later, you was looking at cars. You see the car you was just looking at on Instagram or you see the car you just looking at on Google. And you're like, I didn't ever search this on here. Right. So just being safe with that, using those, you know, really reading what, what, what they're using it for. The cookies are being used for making sure that the website that you purchased for is it now on, is it recommendable, you know, making sure you know, and then more, making sure everything is safe. Because one thing we don't want to happen is having people that work hard. Now you got to have your social security number or now they have your address, telephone number. Now you're getting calls every other week about money that you owe that you never knew you took it out. Right. And um, some of the other things we talk about is like cyberbullying, distracted driving. Um, and we kind of explain how you set healthy digital habits and how to you know decrease your decrease your carbon footprint um kind of just staying off your phone giving yourself time to do other things like read or go outside or spend time with uh those that you love just finding alternatives to just always scrolling on your phone always scrolling through social media and whatnot um just kind of getting up getting active and just 
being in the moment, being present in the world. Yeah, we even uh, go inside like the business aspect. Uh, a lot of the people that we do teach, they are teenagers, so I, I, we try to implement uh, email etiquettes um, so that they can understand and be ready to apply for colleges, uh, know how to format email, because you'll be surprised at what some people do say inside emails and how those learning curves can come about during college, so we try to prepare them for that as well. Most definitely. I feel like uh, one of the two biggest things is digital footprint. I know digital footprint is for a lot people of people. don't even consider it anymore. They don't. No, they don't. Enough. Next thing you know, why your boss knows what you was doing like five nights ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, digital footprint is crazy. We don't, we don't talk about it a lot. Digital footprint, I was a saying uh, Dean Speed said to me, he was like, imagine if someone can rewind your day to any point in time and see what you were doing. That's what digital footprint really is. It's what it's about. It is that. So one thing we did for the viewers that's listening, I want you to Google your name and go back at least three, four, five, six slides and then see what pops up. It might be somebody that you don't know. Cameron, my boy Cameron Green, he searched his name. He had an Australian cricket player come up for, for his, but that's all right. You got some people that pulls up 10, 20 things of accolades they did, you know, things in college, school, in sports, you know, so forth, so on. But do that, you might be surprised at what you find out. You might see something that you posted in 2013 when you were 10 years old or when you were 5 or 9 or 10 and so on. Check that because your business is the bosses, the people that are your employers, friends, family. It's easily accessible to see what you're doing. It's, it's, it's as simple as going on Facebook and finding, typing up your name. It's easy as Googling your name. It's easy as just, you know, it's just easy as pie, easy as peaches and cream. It's easy to find you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about giving back to the community with that. That's important. We're talking about community today. We talked about culture. Uh, I'm going to kind of put those two things together. We got time for one more question for you guys before we let you go. Um, being a part of the tech culture here at Louisiana Tech, being a part of Tech's campus and the tech community, uh, it's February. It's Black History Month. It's the time to talk about sort of minority groups, underrepresented groups on campus. Um being a part of a scholarship program, a prestigious one now, we may just be, you know, a few cohorts deep, but um, it's obviously something very desirable and it's important and you guys take it all in stride and it means something to you to be a part of this program. How has that affected sort of your space on campus? Is it giving you sort of a sense of responsibility, you know, to kind of be young black male leaders on campus? How has being part of the RFL Scholars Program changed your campus culture? Um. I would say that it's um, it's kind of like I'm always being looked at. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, when things are happening on campus and, you know, somebody may need someone to do something, they're going to be like, oh, how about Jaden? Oh, how about Joe? Oh, how about um, Devosnik, Cam, Brandon, or Antonio? Um, it's where going to be you know we're going to be those that are called upon to you know maybe lead some things that are or participate in things that are going on around campus it's kind of being able to represent the scholarship to the best of my ability and being able to um you know just be proud of like be proud to um be a part of something that only two people every year get to yeah uh be selected to it's 
you know, it's kind of people just are watching you. It's yeah. you're, it's, it's responsibility. It's there. new responsibility. Yeah. yeah. It's sometimes I say it can. It has been pressure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it definitely drives me to keep my grades up. It drives me to be just put myself out there. Put mm-hmm. myself in a place where people, you know, see what I'm doing. But yeah. Yeah, it definitely is a big pressure on uh, all of us, and it it's a great pressure, actually. I'd say it's a great pressure because it allows me, it pushes me to go further than what I am. It doesn't, it doesn't let me stay stable and complacent for where I am. It allows me to push myself further and further, and I try to do that with different organizations on campus. I w- I'm a part of NSBE. I'm the vice president of NSBE. Mm-hmm. I'm a I'm the public relations chair for Alpha Alpha Turner Incorporated. I want I this scholarship has pushed me uh, further than I thought I could, and I'm very grateful for it. Well, Seth, so what you said before the space, um, the the light it brings on you. I feel like coming to tech, I was very quiet. You know, I definitely talked to make friends, but I was quiet. I was mainly to myself. I'm an engineer. The engineers know. <laughs> engineer is hard <laughs> so yeah. you're mainly to yourself if you're not locked up with your friends you're locked up in the room by yourself doing work so um once you got into that limelight, like the scholarship brought a lot of different not only the the brothers the brotherhood that you have but it brought the people that was supposed to pour into you it brought the family it brought that to you so now you can pour it in with different things that you thought you never had one thing my, my dad always tell me is it's not that you become a man, that you already are a man. It just it comes out of you, matures, matriculates out of you. So these people only did was add water to the plant. You mm-hmm. just start growing up more. And so now you start your first your sophomore year, in your junior, then your senior, you start to look back and see the man that you became, the man that came out of you. And that now when people look upon you, it's not looked upon based on the status, it's based on the inner person, that, that spirit that you have now. It's based on how do you move? How do you talk? What is your worth ethic? You know, when I look at you, what do I see? And a lot of times they see a great man. They see somebody that's been worked on. They see somebody that shows humility. It's seeing somebody that's putting the effort in to work hard, to be the best that they can be. And so the space that you get is now, like Jane said earlier, they calling upon you now. Now it's you put in much, you're going to have to give back now. So now it's Hey, Joseph Johnson. Oh, that's one. That's that's one heck of a guy. Let me call him for this. You know, yeah. this me or Jane. Hey, Jane was doing this right here. Like, let me call him for that. So you become that that go to guy, that go to man for a lot of the stuff that go around. It might be presentations, like my man Cam did. Love Cam. <laughs> I always shout out Cam when Cam did the presentation for Paris, or it might be needing to talk on the spot. It might be something being on the news, just talking on the spot, just grabbing you. Hey, I need you to come do this. Being because, on a podcast. Yeah, yeah. being yeah. on a podcast. <laughs> that was crazy to me too. So just being on the podcast for that, being on the podcast. They're calling you because they already see the the potential. They see what you put in. They see what you're going to get out. They see the potential in you. So I feel like the scholarship, the space that we're in is now every day we're working on ourselves. It's never that, hey, we, we're we doing this because everybody No, First is you. You're doing this because people have put in that time and energy into me. So now I have to work harder. 
then then the space that you leave, the work ethic, because you don't have to talk about nothing. You let your work talk for you. So now your work that you didn't put in, the work that you didn't put in is going to get given right back out. You're going to reap what you sow. Now, you're, now your friends that see you walking around with a suit on or, or walking around or posting on your social media or they see the emails from the prison of your name being, you know, mentioned in that email. And I was like, okay, what is, what is Joe doing? What is Joe doing? What is Devazic doing? I need to do what they be doing, you know, what they're doing so I can be on that level. Get up on, you know, continue to work and grind. And so now you become more of a a mentor, more of a kind of a, you know, okay, that's where I can be at. But you have the humility to say, well, I wasn't always at that position. You know, I can come back and say, hey, I can help you out. And that's what the scholarship is. They give you everything they can to push you forward. And then they give you able to give it back to your community. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the three of you here in the room, but all the guys from all the cohorts at all the universities in the state, you weren't just handed this scholarship, right? It's a mm-hmm. very specific type of scholarship and, and it's something you have to earn. And so, you know, you carry that with you in your day-to-day life here at school. Okay. And so it's evident that it, it means a lot to you guys and that you, you represent the scholarship well, because you know that you're not just representing yourself anymore. It's the name of the scholarship, the other, how many 50 something people you see. Yeah. So uh, we appreciate everything you do for the scholarship for Louisiana tech for, you know, being part of the campus here and good luck with school guys. And uh, how much longer until graduation? We got one more year, one more year. Well, I'm uh, May 2025. Okay. And then May 26. Yeah. So I need to know my date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck guys. Thanks for making time for us today. Uh, We'll see y'all around. Good luck. All right. Thank thank you. Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, you can check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.